If you're an established woman in tech who is creating results and making an impact at work, so your workload and stress just keep growing, but promotions and salary bumps remain a distant dream, it's time for a change. Listen, we all know the tech industry has dramatically changed. It's time your career approach did too. You don't need cookie cutter programs or dusty advice from outdated playbooks because What works for tech bros won't work for you. You need individualized, bespoke support to build your brave career. One that reflects who you are as a woman in tech. I invite you to explore career coaching with me. Get all the details, including prices and client results at tricksteinbach.com. You can stress less work less, and earn more. You've already earned it. Let's make it happen. Welcome to the Celebrate Brave podcast. I'm Nicole Trich-Steinbach, your host and the international bravery coach for women in tech. I serve women all over the world to earn more money, create more opportunities, and thrive in the tech industry because tech needs all of us. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, and welcome to this episode of the Celebrate Brave podcast. I'm really grateful that you are spending your time here with me and my incredible guest, Vonda Page. Look, this time, this episode is a little bit longer and it's a million percent worth it. So first, let me tell you a little bit about Vonda. So Vonda, the energy in her voice is going to knock you over. She has over 30 years of experience, and it crosses at least nine different industries. She is so passionate. She is deep inside of technology. She's done change management, and she is an ever, ever, ever learner. You know, one of the things about this episode is how Vonda and I connect in a deep and very real way. We talk about the lies that we've been told, the lies we believed. You know, we share a number of people in common that have really inspired us. And as I was listening to this again, it became very clear to me that those people inspired us because they didn't stay with the lies. You know, You'll hear Vonda give me some language that, quite frankly, I've needed my entire life. This is such a rich conversation. And as you're listening, pay attention. What are the stories that you've been told? And then what story are you going to tell yourself? Because that story, the one you choose for yourself, that's the brave story that we need in this world. Let's go. Welcome to this conversation. I am super jazzed before I even know the content, but I know the woman. Vonda, I am so excited. You have a bajillion brave stories. So I can't wait to hear the one that you're bringing to us today. 
Thank you. I am super excited to be here. I am excited to share a brave story as well as just talk about my journey towards bravery because I think that bravery isn't necessarily one destination at which you arrive, but that is something you get to enact and try out every day, you know, and probably several times a day for many of us. So I'm excited to talk to you about it as well. See, this is why I needed to have you on here. Look at you. You're already like, it's not a destination. It's a journey. I'm like, yes. Yes. So you and I actually met through Anita B, right? Yes, we did. We did. And what is so funny is when I think about the foundation of meeting at Anita B and through Grace Hopper and all of that, it really, Nicole, boils down to the foundation of one of the core pieces to what makes me who I am. And I consider myself a learner. And it's funny because you know how people ask you like, oh, give me one word to describe yourself or something about you. And you know, you think of different words and think of like adjectives or characteristics. But if I think about like who I am at my core, I'm a learner. And so because of that, I use learning to advance myself and others. So the reason that I met you through Anita B and through Grace Hopper and, you know, women in technology and networking in general is because I always seek outside of myself to learn more when I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And so when you and I met, I was frustrated. I was fatigued. I was fed up and I was trying to figure out where can I go to learn something that's going to move me from where I am to where I need to be so that I'm not feeling frustrated and fed up and fatigued. And that place was going to be irrelevant to whether I work for an employer or work for myself or have a combination or I'm a student, or a solopreneur, or, you know, somebody that is trying to get back into the workforce or whatever. And so for me, just that whole foundation to the way we met really goes back to the core of who I am as a learner. That is fascinating. I Okay, we're going to get to your brave story, I promise. When you said that one word, I also go to descriptive words like brave, tenacious, committed, curious, empowered, confident. And then when you said learner, instantly it went through my heart, challenger. You tell me something's not possible, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? dream bigger question and and not necessarily question to show someone that they're wrong question to understand question you know in german where i i lived in germany for a long time they have this phrase is is halt so like it's just that way and i have never heard a phrase that i found more offensive to everything inside of my soul because nothing is just that way it's created by humans and humans can do better i mean they never say that about the weather right they never say that about 
geology or something, right? They say it about human things and humans created these systems, human created these norms, we can do better. That's so powerful. Lesson number one, a word. That is it. And so then as soon as you said challenger for yourself and you said challenger is no, things don't have to be that way. One of the reasons that you and I connect through that is because you're a challenger. I'm a changer. Challenge and change are interchangeable, right? Because in order to change something, you have to challenge something. So even the the name of my company, Radical Change, people think of the word Mm -hmm. radical as being, oh, this is off the chart. This is off the beaten path. This is in left field. Radical means the root. Radical means thorough and complete. And so if you're talking about trying to advance change, you have to get to the root. And I think about part of one of my brave stories, which I can give you really quickly because it fits right here, is a former colleague of mine when I first entered into the utility space full time as an analyst. I was charged with understanding the technology of the current way meters were read. So electric meters and gas meters, because this company was going to implement smart meters. And so Ah. I had to talk to the engineers to understand the interworkings of the old system compare it to the new system and understand the delta between the change. And so as you can imagine, okay, this was over 20 years ago. I was the first woman that had a role where I was asking questions of men, white men, predominantly engineers with very technical roles. And so the brave pieces, I had to ask them questions about their job, which they never had to answer because number one, yeah. they're in unions. Number two, they don't have any women asking them any questions except for, you know, hey, what do you want in your lunchbox, fella? Right. <laughs> uh, or, or what do you want on your hot dog? You understand what I'm saying? And here I am saying, well, help me understand why does it take 20 minutes to read a number automatically? And they're saying to me, why are you asking that? And I'm saying, well, because in this new system, these things are going to go through automatically. And so what are you going to be doing in the meanwhile? You only need one person on the truck. The machine's going to run by itself. I'm trying to understand Mm -hmm. your job. And so I remember one of the engineers saying to me, wow, you're asking a lot of questions, but they're good ones. And I know people are giving you a hard time. Keep on asking them powerful powerful wow yeah getting the external validation for what you know internally can be very powerful as long as you know internally and when it's hard when that environment doesn't really want you there so you have to be brave and step into what you already know that you're bringing to the table. And that's hard for women, especially when we're the first and the only. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is, so if it's all right, I would bring race into our conversation. So it's true when you're a white woman and we also know that around the world, white women are closer to positions of power just based on our race. 
It doesn't mean we have power. And a lot of us get real confused. And I know from my lived experience, which you can talk as a black woman, you can talk about this significantly deeper, but I have seen far more qualified black women get overlooked. And I would be asked a question that was outside of my expertise or given an opportunity. I mean, one of the big career opportunities in my life, I look back and I'm like, wait a second, I was not the best candidate. So I may have been the first woman in that role. But I was also the quote unquote safe one because I was white. I had been born in a Christian society. English was my first language. So when you're in those spaces or when black women, brown women, women who have a different starting language, different faith background, whatever the case may be, it's triply so. It's not doubly so. It's triply or, or four times, sometimes six times. This is what the studies show us. And the level of bravery is insane. It is. And what happens is, you know, the reason that you get frustrated through fighting and fatigued and and you get, you know, infuriated and, and all of those things happen is because at any point in time, you are balancing and weighing your own professional and economic and personal survival at work. So it's not like I'm just trying to get a raise to be able to care for my family or whatever. It's that the way I respond, the way people think and feel about me, whether or not people think I deserve to get a raise or a promotion, even though I have a master's degree, it that part doesn't factor in in terms of the people in power, the way they think about it. So I've been doing some amazing study and work over the past, more intensely over the past 24 months, really around understanding the dynamics of how we all, meaning people who grow up in America and specifically white people and black people, if we physically grow up here in America, what are the things that bring us to our current beliefs and how we operate in the world? And one of the things that I've been learning is that there is a difference in the way that Black people who have enslaved Africans as their ancestry in this country grow up with their thoughts around power and money and image that are vastly different than the way white people grow up in this country with that thought process. And so part of it, And one of the things I uncovered in an amazing book by Michael Kimmel called Angry White Men was that there's this sense of engraved entitlement that operates within the way white leaders, white men, white women tend to live out. And the way that plays itself out in the workplace or professionally is that there's a scarcity mindset that if I give another person an opportunity to potentially have or become equal, then that's going to take something away from me. Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. It's this concept that life is a pie. Opportunity is a pie. Yes. Oh, keep talking. Keep talking. So here I meet an intelligent 
obviously capable leader that has the skills, the experience, the credentials, the licensing, the advanced degrees and certifications, and a proven track record of, uh, you know, actually getting results because I did all of the due diligence to check in and validate and evaluate this person. But what does that look like if I let them tell me what to do? What is the message that sends to everybody watching? Because part of scarcity and the way scarcity plays itself out is when you're trying to uphold an image of something. So what is this image that corporate America the 477 men in power are trying to portray. They're trying to portray that all of us, all the consumers, we need to rely on them for everything. And if we do what they're telling us in our career or in school or in contribution or in participation in capitalism, we'll one day have whatever we think we need to have. So if yeah. it's women in tech, we'll finally get those CIO roles and those chief product manager roles and those lead yeah. engineer roles that we know yes. we deserve because we were topping our class at MIT and Carnegie Mellon and Stanford and Harvard. Uh -huh. We know that we were and we know the abuse, the harassment and the trauma yeah. we took to get those mm -hmm. grades and how late we stayed up night and how we knew we went with our girlfriends from building to building when we were trying to study because we know we can't walk alone at night, right? Yeah. And so we yeah. know what we've gone through. So as women, and then of course, even more so as black and brown women where they don't even yeah. want to see us here because they're like, what the heck? I had a good conversation yeah. with one of my friends who's Indian and we've been friends for about since 2013, since we met in big consulting. And we've talked about how when I first got deeply into tech, there were no Indian women at all. There were Indian men with whom I worked yeah. and they were on the dev and the engineering teams. But because my job has always been organizational change and technology adoption, they worked with me because they knew I knew my stuff. Now, fast forward to when Indian women started coming into tech in larger numbers, especially after 2010. And they looking at me like, you get along with these dudes? What's up with that? And I'm like, <laughs> first of all, where'd y'all come from? I'm so glad to see you. They're looking at me like, hey, you sleeping with the enemy. I'm like, hey, girls. And then I start to see all these things, Nicole. And, and through that, it's so hard because none of the systems are set up. None of the yep. structures are set up for us to be a part of it because we weren't there at the beginning. And so yeah. one of the pieces of work that we have to do in our own brave and in igniting the brave in others, like what you do, like, like what I'm doing, like what we're doing mm -hmm. and all these other people are doing is continue to share the stories, continue to share the learnings and those lessons, but also keep on going and keep building out more and greater solutions to, to make yes. it happen. hundred percent. Oh my gosh. So much. Yes. In the United States, people really like to quote 
our past along former Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she was asked, when will there be enough women on the court? And currently there are nine seats. Sometimes in history there were 13, sometimes there were four. And her answer was, when there are nine. Because I coach women in technology and I have consultation calls, I still run into women who implicitly, when it's pointed out to them, they're like, oh, wait, whoa, one second. Implicitly are believing that if there are 10 slots, only one is for everyone who isn't a white male. I even had one woman, oh, she's incredible. I was not the right coach for her. I recommended her to a different coach. She said to me, you know, one of the big, big things I I don't do is I don't want to steal from a brother. I don't want to steal from a black man. And I was like, help me understand that because this is a mentality I've never been exposed to because I am not in the community. And it came down to this belief that if there are 10, nine are destined for white men, especially in technology, maybe two or three are men from India, men from China, whatever, but there's one for everybody else. And this holds us all back, holds us all back because if there are 10 slots, there could be 10, I don't know, there could be 10 indigenous American women or two spirits in all 10 of those roles. That is in the realm of possibility. But we as a culture, and this is one of the things I really want to change, every single possibility is open for everyone, right? At least in mindset. My son can be elder care. My daughter can be mining vehicle driver person. (laughs) I'm sure there's a proper title, but I don't know. Like, that's what I want to get to. Yes. And here's what it boils down to. So one of the things I've been working on is trying to be more succinct and helping people understand points quicker. And I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And so I'm going to just tell you, <laughs> look, I love you. Listen, I listen to you. I follow you. I love you. And I, and unofficially, you're my brave coach because I know we haven't signed an actual contract, haven't retained you, but you are. And when I talk about you, I refer to you in that way. Oh, but thank what you. it boils down to is the story that it's all around story. So if you think about, and I talked about this when I did the Heartland Developers Conference, because I was talking to a bunch of techies and developers. So, you know, if you think about technology and you think about the burgeoning technology of any new thing, there was always some story at play, right? So somebody got in their mind something that they wanted to do, and there's a story related to that. And I believe that there's a story related to everything and that the learning piece, and when I tell you how you know, I'm a learner at heart. I believe that that's all related to story. And I believe that the story, there's two sides to every story. There is the story that you are told by whomever, whatever entity, whoever, whether it's the propaganda of capitalism, whether it's politicians, whether it's your parents, whether it's the spiritual community in which you grew up, whether it's your school, whether it is anything, there is a story that you are told. And then there's the story you tell yourself. 
Ooh. The story you told and the story you tell yourself. Now, I have told myself that number one, yes, I'm black, but that's okay. Yes, I'm a woman. It's beautiful. Yes, I'm a woman and that's okay. Yes, I'm short. Beautiful. Yes, I wear glasses. (laughs) Yes, whatever, right? And it's good. And at the same time, I know the story that I've been fed and I know the story Mm. they want me to believe. So as a black woman, the way I navigate the world is I navigate between understanding the story that the world wants me to fit into and what they believe and the story that I know is true. So I may communicate or operate in a way that keeps me safe. So for an example, I live in a community in Oregon, which everyone probably knows the whole state of Oregon has 1% of black people and all those people live in Portland for the most part, okay? In Beaverton, that's where I live. So if I was riding down the street in my car, 52 year old black woman and a police officer decided to stop me, do you think I would argue with the man or yell at him or treat him in some kind of disrespectful or rude way? Of course no. not, because no. I value my life and my safety and everything. Yeah. So even though I know the story that he yeah. has probably believes about me and people who look like me, I know my real story, but I'm going to balance his story with mine. And I'm going to say, yes, sir. No, sir. Oh, my goodness. I am so sorry for whatever it is thing you think I did. I don't have weapons on the car. You know, here's my driver's license. I'm 52. Here's my like I literally would be because I know what what to do. Right. And so I think that when you think about people who believe the story that there's only one spot, they believe the scarcity story. Yeah. They've chosen to believe that when the story should be, I am capable of this and that mm. and the other. So mm. I knew way back when somebody told me what job I couldn't be back in 2000, I sat in a room, Nicole, with a CIO, some VPs of architecture, infrastructure, data and security and maybe resources. I sat in this room, right? And Mm -hmm. there's me and one of the bravest women that I admire in my life. Her name was Joyce Z. Bloward. Shout out to Joyce. Um, I'm going to reach out to her. I know she's probably retired now, not on LinkedIn, (laughs) but I need to find her on Facebook or something because Joyce Mm -hmm. inspired me with her brave as we you know, worked on a lot of projects together, when I sat in rooms with CIOs and I knew I could do that job. I knew that 20 wow. years ago, but I also had to combat the story that was told about me and other women. That story of scarcity that comes at the hands of leadership, which we know are predominantly white and male, few Indian, and other Asian, Asian continent and and Middle Eastern area in in the Fortune 500. But for the most part, we know what it is. And so we have to use our own story 
and let our own stories overrule the stories we've been told. And we have to actually live into those stories. And the way I think about it is when we do step into those stories, Nicole, what we step into are the solutions that are going to help drive change, right? So I think about you talking about being a challenger. So that is your story. And then the solutions that you're bringing are going to drive that change. So by you bringing the concept of bravery to women in tech and saying, just like RGB said, if it's nine seats, why can't we get nine? So my favorite, my favorite RGB quote that I got to give, because I love her. She, that's one of my, like, I'm thinking about getting a little tattoo of her because I love her, or at least the initials is she said when she, when she went to the Supreme court and she said, Hey, listen, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, in my style. Yeah, right? of course. Of but course, of but course. when she went to the Supreme Court and she said, listen here, women are not asking that you give us anything. We just saying, can you take your foot off our neck? Foot off our neck. <laughs> yes. Take your foot off our neck. Because guess what happens? When the foot comes off the neck, we get all nine spots. Because how hard have yeah. we been working? We've seen them mess up ever since they rolled over here in 1492. They've been jacking up America. Okay. We can't even count the millennia of all around the other parts of the world. We can't count that high. They don't even, I don't have any math that I can do to count out how many years they've been in charge all over and messing up. So now it's 500 CIO spots. 500 CEO spots, 500 COO spots, CTO spots. Why don't we have 500 of them? Why don't we at the very least have 250? So I'm going to just say, okay, and and, and let's break it down even further for our non-binary folks and people who have other ways that they express their gender. We still... As fems, okay, mm-hmm. as fems, we would still have about 170 other jobs. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And right now there's 13. 33 women total women. 33 out of 500 total. And that's a combination. Okay, okay, okay. Of the Fortune 500. In the Fortune 500 of, of, of CEOs. Oh, okay. Right. So it's like... Okay. And I forgot the CIO count, but that includes white women, any Asian or African, black, Latin, you know, Latin. It includes all women, which, you know, is a BS. Means mostly white. Right. It's a BS stat anyway. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, Vonda... It's it's a bit of a mutual appreciation society that happens because I watch the show that you put on LinkedIn. Of course I do. And I always learn from it. One of the things that I am so grateful for this conversation is because I'm trying to parent my children like that. If someone tells you a story about your neurodiversity, you get to make your own story about it. But I didn't have the language. And at the beginning of this conversation, you said that you were fatigued and frustrated. I have never experienced you as fatigued, ever, never. 
You have always arrived with your energy. And I think you have just given, well, I know that you gave me language I was missing. The story that I'm told and the story that I choose. And I've moved through my life that way. I was told my stutter meant this. I was told the welfare meant this. I was told, you know, the domestic violence meant this. But what I told myself was no matter what. No matter what. And this, I mean, oh my God, we haven't even gotten to your brave, I mean, you've shared your brave stories and you've shared a brave role model. But this, this is why every single time we get onto a conversation, it's like two hours long and I'm having a snack. Because I snack all the time. Because <laughs> I'm always learning so much from you. It's funny because as I was preparing for today, because I've been preparing for us to talk for a while, because like I said, yeah. when I think about part of, you know, this evolution of me using my voice, because it's not like the voice wasn't there, because I'm going to tell you a story that I was telling myself was if I speak out, I'm not going to have a job. If I speak out, I'm going to lose my income. If I speak out, this is going to happen. And I was telling myself that because I was listening to stories that you hear in corporate America about if you do this, if you do that. And anything you share on LinkedIn, your employer could see it. And if they don't like it, they can fire you. Well, yeah, that's true. Because in America, I don't know how many, but many of our states have what's called at will. So you could get fired yeah. at any point in time anyway. But what I was telling myself was that my commodity in the marketplace, in the labor market, in the tech sector was around what I could do in a company, even though I had mm. consulted and worked on my own for years. And I've been consulting since the 80s, but I hadn't recognized it, right? Because I was listening to the story that I was being sold by corporate America. If you do these things, you'll eventually one day become a CIO because that's the track you're on. Well, guess what? I look back and I'm going to be real with you. I see people on LinkedIn whose resumes that I wrote my damn self that have jobs two or three levels higher than mine, okay? But they have wow. a different way that they you know, participate in personal activities. So they look different than me. And so it's a whole thing. And for me, same, right. Same, right. And so same. for me, it's like, mm -hmm. I had to tell myself, no, I'm not like that story is there are certain parts of the story we have to survive. So example, I can imagine you and I working together and we're going to work together. In <laughs> I can imagine us tearing up the room. Listen to this. Let me tell you the vision I just got. And we need to make a okay, video about okay. it. Here's the vision I just got. <laughs> you and I are in a meeting. We on two different teams. We don't even know each other. But you're you and I'm me. And you sitting in one part of the meeting. Your role is one thing. I'm sitting in another part of the meeting. My role is something else. Something goes down in the meeting. And I say whatever I say. You say whatever you say. Next thing you know, the meeting is over. Me and you see each other coming outside with our file boxes, going to the car. Because we done got fired because we have said, all oh, hell no, it doesn't work like that, right? Because there's something inside of who we are and who we've developed and the story that we've told ourselves about our value, our worth. Yeah. And, and how things really should be. And because yeah. me and you will be the only two in the meeting, we know that <laughs> things ain't right. Because if we were in a meeting with 
three Vondas and six Nicoles yeah. and two Reshmis and a Tamika yeah. and a and a, a, a Ravia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. then we gonna have what kind of thing we gonna have going on? Then we not even gonna have no arguments. We are gonna be brainstorming. <laughs> we gonna have whiteboards all over with art. We gonna have music. Nobody's wearing a bride. We just have. Like, we gonna be creating and changing the world, right? Isn't that what the picture would look like? What would the female Wakanda oh, look like, Nicole? What would the all woman is, Wakanda look like? Oh my God! Can you imagine? Yes, I can imagine. I mean, I can. I can imagine. Yeah, I really can. I, you, and, you know, Black Panther. You me. can picture the all woman oh. Wakanda <laughs> easily. Oh my gosh! The wig moment was by far the most beautiful. Right. Of the entire movie. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh my God, Jordan, you looked so amazing!" I'm like, "Did you see the?" wig fight what I love about that is that for me and it's not perfect right and it's not extended but for me going to Grace Hopper celebration is a glimpse into a female owned operated organized managed implemented experience service whatever supported Wakanda it is because there's I mean, the last time we were all together, there were 22,000 of us. Yeah. And the conversations that we had were so much more often life affirming and life giving. I have to say, I made a different podcast episode about this earlier yes. in the season, which was about like, we have to stop normalizing for each other to use your language, the external story about, oh, it's normal to be underpaid. It's normal. And that is true. And at the same time, When we come together with our strongest male allies and we're there as female identifying and strong allies, it is a glimpse, a view into what technology could actually be if we truly had systems and infrastructure and stories that was not just inclusive of us all, but lifted us all. Absolutely. And so I came up with just a quick, the way I think about it is things are common, not normal. Oh, girl, that is all over the podcast. That is, yeah. Common, okay. not exactly. normal. Yes. It's common. It's common, it's common it's for people. Common is not normal. Right. It's common for women yes. to be underpaid. It's not normal. It's common for black women to get 63 cents for every dollar that a non-Hispanic white male makes, but it's not normal. Mm -hmm. It's common for people to have three and four interviews to get a job, but it's not normal because I do not know one single white male friend of mine that I have had over the past 20 years have ever had more than two interviews. Never, never, never. They might meet with a a recruiter type person that's more like a screener and they meet with the hiring manager. The hiring manager hires them, period, end of story. If it's a three panel or five panel person interview, it's still the one interview. I can tell you for every job I have ever had in the last 20 years since the internet and we started, you know, submitting resumes through Monster and those old sites, always had panel interviews that were stages. 
So first is with recruiters, yeah. then it's with other people, then it's with other people. And I don't know a single white male colleague right. of mine that has had that experience. Mm -hmm. So I say all that to say yeah. that common versus normal, we get to choose yep. the language as well. We don't have to keep using exactly. the language of corporate America, the language of the powerful, the language of the oppressor. Yeah. We get to use our own language. So if you say to me, okay, well, you know, Vonda, what are you trying to build? And you know, what are you trying to do? Well, I'm trying to help leaders learn change. That's what radical change is about. LLC, mm -hmm. leaders learn change. So first you learn leadership is all about developing solutions. And then that change part is all about how you see yourself and bring yourself forward using these different components because change isn't negative. Yes. Change doesn't have to be bad. And radicalness yes. is just getting at the root of stuff. And so to me, it's like, it's urgent, but it's simple, but it does take an element of bravery, but we got all these resources out there to get that. Yes, we do. we do. Oh my God, this conversation has been amazing. So we have had so much insight from you. We know how to contact you. We've got you on LinkedIn. We've got you in Radical Change. You got to catch her show. Definitely catch her show. You need to register for it. You can leave comments on her show after it's finished that she responds. Like, you're good. But I, I know that you mentioned Joyce, but I cannot, you are so inspirational. I have to ask you for a brave role model before we end this, because you have the role models that, that help you with your story. Share another one with us, please. So a lot of my role models are young people because I mm -hmm. really love one of the things I love about young people is that they can use all these different avenues and different places in which to speak up. And so one of my young, brave role models is Greta Thunberg. I think she is the bomb. And also, you know, Malala Yousafzai. Like, I think about people who are talking bold language, but they have identified the root of what we need to change. So those are two people, you know, that, that like come to mind immediately. But then I do think about inspirational mm. people who have written stories about their experience. So I think about James Baldwin, or I think Ooh. about Zora Neale Hurston, or I think about Sojourner Truth, right? Who was one of the pioneers of feminist thought who tried to convince white women that, hey, yeah. we need to work together because our liberation is tied up in each other. But that yes. concept wasn't being understood. And now though, even you take this conversation you and I are having now, it's going to be advancing that work that was happening back then. So yeah. when I think about inspiration, whether I'm thinking about women's rights around the world, whether I'm thinking about our climate and the erosion of our, our climate, or whether I'm thinking about leadership and really making the change in technology, which is at the core of how we function as people and trying to get back to that more collective mindset. All of those things are just super yeah. important. Yeah. Oh gosh, that is, those five names are incredible. You know, I have to, I just have to share with you that James Baldwin is one of my role models, one of my brave role models. 
whenever a new piece out of the archives comes, because, you know, the BBC had him many, many, many times. And in conjunction, there's um, the ZDF, which is a, a channel that is shared by the French and the Germans. And they, so things are provided in French and in German and in English. And every single time a new clip comes out, I, I have to watch it obsessively. For the content, yes. More importantly, the knowledge that every time he spoke so clearly, sometimes eloquently, sometimes stumbling all over himself, he was, of course, challenging the systems. But the difference between when I challenged the system and when he was challenging, that literally put his life at risk. He could not walk in and out of, right, this is like in the 60s, he could not walk in and out of the studio recording alone. They would literally send groups of security people to his secret location and essentially smuggle him in because his ability to see the root, the radicalness, and to speak it, whether or not his voice was shaking, whether or not it was clear, whether or not the vocabulary was nailed at that time, that is an inspiration to me every single time, every single time. And so, yes, Greta, Malala, Zorro, and Sojourn, yes, definitely learn about them, especially the autobiographies or the long forms. And if for everyone on this, if, if you want a role model for utilizing your voice and your lived experience, you can literally watch any of the conversations with James. I mean, Mr. Baldwin is, is just, an, it's just such an inspiration for me. Yeah. So thank you for bringing him onto my podcast. That yeah, was totally unexpected yes. I mean, that he because, would come here. Because when you asked the question, I was like, because if I think about it, and I was listening to, <laughs> totally on a side note, but I was listening to music today, and I'm working on a big playlist for my new team. So I want to make sure mm-hmm. everybody kind of gets me and understands me, right? So we're building this big team. Yeah. And I sent, and I, so one of the songs on there, I can't think of the exact name of it right now, but it's by Nas. Oh, it's called One Mic, duh. And he says... The essence of the song is all I need is one mic. I don't need a million dollars. I just need one mic because I need people to get my message. I need people to hear what I'm saying. And if people can understand that they have their power, Nicole, to tell their own story and out of it, they can change whatever they want. But you just have to take hold of it and be like, okay, boom, this is what it is. And it's a process and I'm super happy and excited that I get to talk to you about it, that, you know, part of my business is helping people learn about it and understand about it because it can happen. And so, yeah, this was an amazing conversation. Oh, thank you. Okay. So dear listeners, the first time I spoke to Vonda, I did not yet have a podcast, I don't think. And I said, oh my God, you need to tell your story. And then we spoke again, we spoke again, and I was like, I would love for you to come on my podcast. And at the time she said, you know, there's so much transition happening. I want to, but I want to come later. And so when she said, I'm ready, I was like, green light. (laughs) 
and I knew this would be good. And it's still, as usual, deeply touched my heart, changed me because you are a changer. And I am so grateful for the wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. It was um, my pleasure. Yeah, I'm just excited to change and continue to grow yes, and learn. Yes, exactly. All right. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. And until the next time, brave it up. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Celebrate Brave podcast. If you're ready to build your brave, to live a life you love and create a career that matters to you, reach out. Together, we can spend time one-on-one to explore how I can help you. And until then, share this episode with people in your life, people who can join our movement to redefine brave, how we identify it, experience it, and celebrate it.